Thank you for tuning in to today's audio message. Here at Temple Baptist Church, we are a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. It really is good to see you. I find that Sunday services are a lot better when you show up. So uh, we're really glad uh, to have you here this morning. And um, I, you, you realize Christmas is just a little over a week away. I hope you're getting in the Christmas spirit that all the hustle and bustle hasn't taken over, but that you've had some opportunity to just enjoy a little bit of the Christmas season. I know Friday night there was a Christmas movie night here. A lot of families came. That was exciting. Friday night, I know there was a, a group of you here that were downtown uh, serving Christmas dinner to some of the less resourced people in our city. And I heard like around 250 people uh, were fed. That's, that's so exciting. Last night, a group of us went caroling uh, to uh, uh, some retirement homes. And uh, that was kind of exciting as well. So I hope you're able to enjoy it. Listen, a few weeks ago, we began this new series called Hope For You. And we're not talking about hope in the general sense, like, oh, well, there's hope for the world. We, we've been trying to zero in on the fact that hope can be very personal. That actually what the Bible talks about is hope for you. And we're going to continue on that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and I do hope you have your Bibles, and I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one before you leave here today. Because one of the things that we always do every Sunday morning is open up our Bibles and read and, and see what God uh, has for us. You know, the Bible describes itself as um, a sword. You know, quick, it's um, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and penetrating, uh, even to dividing the soul and spirit and the joints and marrows and and judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I really believe that God has given this to us. This has been recorded and preserved for us so that we may know him uh, better. And this morning we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah. So you can go ahead right now and turn to the book of Jeremiah. Now I realize that the Old Testament, there's so many books in the Old Testament, sometimes it's a challenging to find. Where's Jeremiah? And I like to tell people just, you know, open your Bible dead center and you'll probably fall right into the book of Psalms and turn sharp right and go down a few pages and you'll find uh, the book of Jeremiah. And we're gonna be looking at some great news that God spoke that offers hope. In fact, the kind of hope that blows your mind. It's gonna be unbelievable what God speaks in this passage of scripture that we're gonna look at this morning. Now for some of you, maybe Jeremiah, you know, that doesn't really, doesn't mean anything to you. You don't really know much about Jeremiah. Uh, maybe it's just another mystery book in the Bible. And so let me just fill you in a little bit who Jeremiah is. Jeremiah's a prophet, and he's called one of the major prophets. He, he, he made it out of the minor leagues. And, and the reason he's called um, a major, it's not because, well, there's major minor prophets in the Old Testament. It's not because one was more important than the other. It's, it really just has to be about how long their book was. And, and the book of Jeremiah is a long book, and so... They've thrown the, uh, the title major in front of him, uh, one of the major prophets. Uh, Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. Uh, he's also known as the weeping prophet, not because he's a crybaby, but because he was so broken over the spiritual condition of his people. And this morning, we're going to look at one particular verse, which is something I don't normally do. We usually look at the whole passage. But this one verse that we're going to look at can really change your perspective on everything that's going around you. This one verse in the midst of pain and suffering and depression and, and despair and hurting and discouragement stands out above everything else and proclaims hope and hope for you. 
So the question that many people have, can really hope be found in darkness? Is that possible? I mean, when life hits its rock bottom, can hope be found? When you feel like you're at the bottom of the abyss and there's no light shining through, can hope be found? When there's this overwhelming sense that there are no brighter days ahead for you, can hope be found? When you feel like nothing is ever going to change in my life, can hope be found? Or is it just a false sense of hope? I've certainly in my lifetime, as I'm sure many of you have, met people who, who feel hopeless. Like, am I going to get where I, I want to be or I should be? Um, am I ever going to get it right? Uh, is, is anything ever going to work out for me? Well, I want to encourage you this morning. If you have this nagging sense that there is no hope, this morning I trust that the words that we read will really build you up and encourage you this morning. And, and the reason I, I think that people sense that they have no hope is because they cannot see that there is a brighter future for them. And, and it does begin to seem hopeless. And, and if you really didn't think there was a future for you, I could see how you may feel a little hopeless this morning. But the verse we're going to read this morning, I think, can really change your entire perspective. I like actually how Dr. Tony Evans describes this verse. He said, this is, a, this is not a great verse and a great chapter. This is a great verse and a really bad chapter, he says. So let me give you a little bit of background before we read this verse in Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is living during the time of when the Israelites have been exiled to Babylon. Many of us know the story of Daniel, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is the same time frame. And uh, uh, Daniel is in Babylon. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel has been exiled to Babylon. But Jeremiah is still back in Israel. Because when Babylon came, when they took over Israel, they took the best, the smartest, the wealthiest, the royal a royalty, and they took them all, about 10,000 of them, and they took them to Babylon, and they left the poorest of the poor uh, back in Jerusalem. And, and Jeremiah is one of the people that have been left back. And so he's actually writing to the exiles, those who are, are, have been taken captive and are living in Babylon. And, and, the, and the reason that they've been exiled is because of the rebellion towards God. And exile just simply means you're living somewhere where you do not want to be. And that's where the people of God find themselves. That's exactly the situation. And they're there because of God's disciplining hand. It's, it's kind of like God just brought up the little wooden spoon and had given the Israelites a little spanking. And they find themselves in Babylon. And they're not there for days or weeks or months. They've been there for a couple of years. And, and Jeremiah is writing uh, to them. And for the people of God, Babylon was as bad as it gets. I mean, this is no place where the people of God would be found hanging out. Even though it was a, an incredible city, I mean, it was known for its architecture. In fact, it has one of the seven wonders of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It was a, quite a spectacular city. So you would think, well, it can't be that bad living in Babylon. But for the people of God, they are living in a pagan uh, country, a country that's full of idolatry. Not the kind of place that you'd find the people of God. You know, there was a song back in the, for the, some of you older ones, back in the 70s. There was a group called Bonnie M. I don't know if anybody remembers them. And they, they sang this song, 
You know, um, by the rivers of Babylon. Remember that little bit of move? Where there I sat. Where? There. Something about Zion. Anyway, that song is about this passage right here. That's the song that's describing what takes place here. So, so picture this. Babylon has come in. They've taken the best, and they've left nothing left for the prosper in, in, in Jerusalem. And they've taken these people on a seven, eight, nine hundred mile march uh, to Babylon. So the scenario is they're living in exile because of God's disciplining hand. They're living in a pagan culture. And we also find out in a few chapters earlier that the prophets that were taken, by the way, the prophets that were taken to Babylon, there's a lot of them that are false prophets and they're actually lying to the people. Because the prophecy was that when they would be taken in captivity, they would be there for 70 years. But there's actually some other prophets going around town saying, ah, don't you worry about that. We're not going to be here for 70 years. Give us about two years. We'll be back home where we belong. So don't settle in. And Jeremiah is going to address that. Because they're offering some false hope that is not true, which still actually happens today, by the way. Some preachers will take God's word and say some things that simply just aren't true. And what we find is that when people lose hope, they'll listen to anything that will offer some kind of hope, though it may not even be true. Because when people don't have hope, they search out of their emptiness. And here we find in this particular scenario, this time frame, that there's actually people, the, the prophets, that are, are misleading the people. So these people are in desperate, in desperate situation. I mean, they're hurting, they're depressed, they're living under uh, terrible conditions. And, and many of them would go as far as to say, well, I feel despair. And they're under God's disciplining hand. And they're far from home. And they're living in a very immoral country. And even their spiritual leaders are lying to them. Now, they were warned. They would warn that they this would actually happen. Um, if they didn't repent of their sins. And so really, they're just kind of living in their consequences. And sometimes when you find yourself maybe living in your consequences, you tend to think, oh, God doesn't love me anymore. That's, that's our natural tendency. Because if God really loved me, he would not have me in this situation. That's what we think. And no doubt there's people in Israel who find themselves in Babylon. God, what? do you not love me? Have you forgotten about us? Why would you send us here? And so we begin to question the love of God. I, I love a story that um, um, Chuck Smith, uh, the founder of Calvary Chapel, talks about when he was disciplining his little girl. And, I, and sometimes I, I fall right into this. He, he says, um, I was disciplining our, a little girl, and all of a sudden she started to pout, and she says, nobody loves me anymore. And he says, well, mommy loves you. No, mommy doesn't love me. Well, you know daddy loves you. No, daddy doesn't love me. Well, you know grampy and grandpa love you. Nope, they don't love me either. He says, well, you do know Jesus loves you, though. Nope, Jesus doesn't love me. Well, how do you know Jesus doesn't love you? Because I looked up in the sky, and he was sticking his tongue out at me. That was her response, and sometimes isn't that how we feel, right? That, you know, God doesn't love us anymore. Have you ever thought that God was angry at you? I think sometimes our enemy likes us to think that because of certain circumstances, God doesn't love us anymore. And then we begin to question the love of God. 
And I, and I can understand Jeremiah, the, the people of, of Jeremiah, like why they would begin to question, does God love them? I mean, they're in captivity. They're far from home. They're in Babylon. They're, they're not with their families. It would be easy to think, well, God must be through with us. He's washed his hands of us. But they were there because of some consequences. And one of the things that we're, I'm discovering is that correction actually is a sign that God does love you. Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he corrects. So when you are being corrected, you can know, oh, God does love me. He's correcting my ways. Have you ever found yourself to be in a place that you did not want to be? Are you caught in a in life situation that you just don't like? And you ask, when will things get back to normal? Well, in the midst of chaos and in the midst of despair, in the midst of depression, in the midst of anxiousness, God speaks a word that can change your entire perspective. In the middle of discouragement, God speaks a word. Look at it, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Did you, did you hear that? God says to his people who, who are in captivity, who are far from home, who are discouraged and hurting, he says, oh, 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 listen. I got a plan for you. Now, I, I've had people say to me multiple times, but Donald, you don't know my past, though. Like, I got a pretty messy past. I, I've messed up. I, I've messed up royalty. In fact, I'm the king of mess-ups. Maybe be, you're going out on a limb to say there's actually a plan for me. You know, maybe you want to back off a little bit of being so confident that God has a plan for me. Well, just picture what's happening here. May I remind you, these are the people of God. The Israelites were living in captivity, and for years, they've done the opposite of whatever God wanted them to do. For years. And in every aspect of life, the people of God were messing up. And, and yet it's to these people that God speaks these words to. The royal mess-ups. He says, so those exiles, I, I got a plan for you. I got a plan. There is hope for you. Now, I know oftentimes when we read maybe a verse like that, that God has plans for me, our response is, well, I don't know what the plan is, and how can I live out the plan if he doesn't tell me what the plan is? Right? And some of the lessons that I'm learning, that I'm sure many of you could share the same thing, some of our greatest lessons of faith are learned in the dark. You ever said? Some of our greatest lessons of faith will be learned in the dark. When you don't have it figured out, when there's actually more questions than there are answers, when you find yourself fumbling around in the darkness is when your faith is most used. God's best intent is found in life's worst events oftentimes. When all you want to do is throw your hands up in the air because you have no idea what God is doing. When you can't figure out why is God not fixing what is broken? When you just need a, a, a jump start with life. When God is frustrating you the most. 
is when we need to trust him even more. Because God says, I know something you don't know. I have a plan. I have a plan for you. And yes, it may look dark right now, but I have a plan for you. Yes, I know it looks really foggy and you can't see through the fog and you can't see down the road, but I got a plan for you. Yeah, I, I know the headlights aren't, aren't lighting up the path for you, but I got a plan for you. I understand why you may be a little anxious, but listen, God says, I got a plan. I got a plan for you. And I've been working on this plan for a long time. This did not spring up on me. I've had this plan pre-designed long before you ever entered into the world. In fact, I love in the beginning of Jeremiah, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and it just was a great reminder what God's plan has been from the beginning. He, in Jeremiah 1, you don't have to look there, but I'll read it to you. Jeremiah 1.4, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet. So long before Jeremiah's parents were even thinking about conceiving a child, God already had the plan for Jeremiah. God has a plan. And even when you're under discipline, like the people of Israel, and even though you may be living in a pagan land, and even though your, your leaders are lying to you and misleading you, God says, I got a plan. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. When you feel like you just want to pull out your hair, remember, God has a plan. When you're being bombarded with uncertainties in your life, God has a plan. But Donald, what, what's the plan? I mean, I mean I, like, tell me what the plan is. Well, I don't know the whole plan, but I do know a few little details about the plan. Just a few of them. Look what it says back in verse 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. Like, that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan that God has for you. You just heard what God said, right? I have a plan for you to prosper you, not to harm you, but actually to give you hope and a future. You may say, Are you, is that true? Like, is that really true? That God has a plan for my life? Because right now, Donald, all I see is I have no future, no hope. I, I see nothing but calamity. All I see is hurt and pain. But you're saying, God has a plan. And you're telling me this plan as it gets unfolded is actually pro-me? Like this plan is to benefit me? Are you really saying that God is working on a plan that's going to build a future for me? Are you actually saying that there's actually a better day coming? Are you really saying that there's light at the end of the dark tunnel that I've been walking through these last couple of years? Listen, God has your tomorrows covered even though you've never been there he's already scoped up tomorrow he's come back to say I got a plan for your tomorrow even though it looks bleak I got a plan for you and while you're waiting by the way for God to unfold the plan that maybe you're trying to figure out what it is I think we can learn some lessons here that God tells us to seize the moment don't seize up 
but seize the moment. And I say that because when you look over back at verse uh, 4, 5, and 6, let me just read those out of chapter 29. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So remember, they're going to be there for 70 years. So Jeremiah is saying, settle in. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, that is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. <laughs> seek out how you can be a blessing to someone else. Isn't that interesting? Because when you are being a blessing, I think you set yourself up for a blessing. Sometimes, and I'm guilty, by the way, I'm guilty. Sometimes I, I think because our eyes get so focused on our own circumstances and our own life, we can't see anything else. And it would have been very easy for the people of Israel to just look, look at me. Look at what I'm stuck with. Look where I am. I'm in a country that I don't even understand, a culture that doesn't make sense to me, uh, away from everything that seems familiar. And God said, well, don't just seize up. Seize the moment. Use these opportunities. Because I know inside of me, there is this tendency to go, poor Donnie Calder. Look at his situation. But God says, no, Donald, while you're waiting on me, be a blessing to someone else. Don't have all your attention on yourself. And so despite the Israelite circumstances, they were to be productive and a blessing and to encourage others. Now, this is what I love here. It's what follows verse 11 that's really key as well. It says... Well, let me read 11 again, and we'll flow into verse 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You seek me and find me. When you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I love that. When you seek me. See, isn't this true of us? We go seeking for a solution, and we think if our whole heart looks for the solution, we'll find the solution. But actually, no, that's not what God says. God says, you seek me with your whole heart, and you will find me. God says, I got a plan. I got a plan. And sometimes we just want to go looking for the plan, right? But God doesn't say go seeking for the plan. Seek me. But we're such professional planners. We love the plan. We plan Christmas parties. We plan vacations. We plan birthdays and weddings and funerals. Like we are expert planners. So how often when times when, when we don't know God's plan is we go to him with our plans because we're good at making plans. We say, God, I know you're really, really busy. So I put up a plan together and I've done this for a long time. So I think you're going to like the plan that I put together. That's not what God says. So don't go seeking the plan. Seek me, because I've already got a plan. And I know exactly what the plan is. 
just continue to seek me. And he says, the plan will be revealed. The plan will be unveiled. But seek me until the plan is ready to be seen. Now, come on, doesn't that seem a little, a little hard to do? Because, as I said, we're professional planners. We don't need other people to make plans for us. But God says, seek me, and the plans will be revealed. God really does some of his best work in the dark. Sometimes God just does his best work when we're not aware of what's happening. And I've said this many times before, because God is always working behind the scenes of our life. Always working for his glory and for your good. Even when we can't see what's happening all around us, because he's working out a He's working on the plan that he has for you, your life. Now, theologically, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been thinking this through. I, I've wondered, is, is sometimes the plan delayed? I don't know. Is sometimes the plan delayed that God has for us because we're not seeking him or, or maybe because we've chosen to go ahead and, and live our own lifestyle and live in a sinful way and therefore maybe the plan is delayed? I don't know. I've been just trying to figure that out. But I do know that God has a plan. And it's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. I love this. And it's a plan that gives hope. It's a plan that gives hope and a future. I feel like God says, oh, I got a plan, all right. Boy, it's a good one. It's a good plan. It would be 70 years before the plan was seen by the Israelites, before they were released from captivity, even though preachers were trying to tell, no, 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 don't listen to those prophets. Don't listen to that. Two years, we're out of here. No, it's gonna be a lot longer than that, Jeremiah says, as he's uh, right into the exiles. So he tells them, be productive right where you are. Even when life seems really messy, And even though you're just frustrated, like you don't even understand why this is even happening to you, God says, no, be productive. Look around. While you're waiting for that plan to be unveiled, be a blessing to others. Don't just seize up, but seize the moment. Some of you would say, I don't like the dark. I get it. I'm with you. I really don't like when it's dark either. I don't think anyone loves living in the darkness. But the Bible actually says, but without faith, it's actually impossible to please God. So you don't know where you're going? Well, then seek him. You don't know what to do? Well, then seek him. You're, you're, You're a little confused? Yeah, seek him. You're just tired of waiting and waiting and waiting? Yeah, seek him. You feel just these moments of despair? Yeah, seek him. You feel really discouraged today? Well, seek him. You feel maybe a little depressed? Well, seek him. You feel a little down today? Seek him. You feel like the tunnel that you're in is so dark, you don't know what to do? Well, seek him. 
because he's got a plan. And it's a good plan. Because it's a plan that is designed to prosper you, not to harm you. Sometimes we think, oh, God brings evil. No, no, no. God's plan is not to harm you, but to prosper you. And I love the fact that this plan brings hope. Hope. And a plan that gives you a future. Seek him this morning. When you don't know which way to turn, seek him. When your life has been turned upside down, seek him. When your world is falling apart, seek him. Because he's got a plan. And it's a good plan. 2,000 years ago, God had this great plan to redeem men and women. And it blew people's minds. Like it just blew them out of the water because no one really could see this coming. That God himself, believe it or not, God himself would become a man. Who does that? And that's what we celebrated this season. God, Emmanuel, God with us, he became a man in the form of a baby. Because he had a plan. He had a plan to rescue men and women. He had a plan to redeem what was busted and broken. A relationship with him. And, and this plan... <laughs> was put together before the foundations of the earth was even put together. God was already planning when he knew Adam and Eve were going to mess up and, and, and have the separation from him. God put a plan and made it together. I'm going to rescue and I'm going to redeem people from what's been busted and broken. That's been God's plan ever since sin entered the world. And that plan is a good plan because that plan offers us hope. And it offers us a future. You see, when, when God came, right, and dwelt among us, he lived for about 33 years, and then he did the ultimate. Not only was he born as a baby, but the Bible tells us he actually died on a cross. Not because life was snuffed from him. He actually gave it. Because he had a plan for you and me. That plan was to redeem us, to, to die in place of us, that our sins could be forgiven. That was the plan. And it's a great plan. And it was a plan that could offer the whole world hope and a future. And it's all found in Jesus. So this morning, I encourage you, seek him. Seek him, and he will be found.